Hear the exciting news for our Slow Flowers community coming from the Canadian province of Alberta, where the first flower collective has just formed in Edmonton. If you're planning on attending the Slow Flowers Summit in Banff, Alberta, consider this episode your sneak peek to the seasonal and local flowers we'll enjoy there. We were all talking to the same florists and it was like, oh, all this kind of admin work, we're all tracing over the same steps we all do each week. So how can we streamline that not only for our farms, but also for the florists? I think it was really kind of a nice selling feature that, oh, you're going to get billed once a Mm. week. You know, Mm. you're not going to get 11 different bills each week. It's fantastic for our growers as well because they are farmers first and foremost, all of them, they're flower farmers. And so if they can spend, especially their in-season time when there's only so many hours in the day, focusing on what they do best, which is growing the flowers. And then together as a group, we can play off each other's strengths to then, you know, market these flowers as a group and sell them as a group. So we can really focus on what we each do best and spend the most time that we can in the field with those flowers during that busy season. Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinsing. This is episode 650. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This show is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free online directory to more than 750 florist shops and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to The Gardener's Workshop, which offers a full curriculum of online education for flower farmers and farmer florists. Online education is more important than ever, and you'll want to check out the course offerings at thegardenersworkshop.com. Join me today to learn all about local flowers in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, where a group of 11 flower growers has formed the Cooperative Flower Network to bring Alberta-grown botanicals to that floral community. This vibrant flower market and distribution hub supports local cut flower growers and supplies buyers with locally grown, unique, and high-quality blooms. I'm especially thrilled to welcome two of the growers today, including cooperative co-founder Moira McKinnon, owner of Love and Fantasy Flowers, and Sarah Landon, owner of Sunshine Blooms Farm. Both are Slow Flowers members, and we're thrilled that the Cooperative Flower Network is also a new member. But the big news is that CFN will be a partner at the Slow Flowers Summit this coming June when we arrive in Alberta with their flowers. They're giving us a generous donation of seasonal Alberta-grown botanicals that will flower the event. Our attendees will get their hands on this beautiful product and experience firsthand one of the best selling points noted by CFN on its website. They answer the question, what sets CFN apart from other floral wholesale services? This is the answer. Our product is fresh and we have a guarantee on your orders. We work so closely with our farming community to get you the very best local product. No rehydrating required, no crushed dahlias from dry packing, and no unwanted substitutions. I love that promise. During our video interview and my conversation with Sarah and Moira, 
we preview a new video produced by Cooperatives First, a nonprofit formed to assist cooperatives in Western Canada. Cooperatives First offers courses, workshops, and important assistance to emerging communities as they form their cooperatives, and they've produced a beautiful video about the Cooperative Flower Network. I know you'll enjoy this conversation, so let's jump right in and get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Show with Deborah Prinzing. I'm so excited today to bring uh, two of the members of the Cooperative Flower Network in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada today to talk about what they're doing because it's very exciting. First, we have Sarah Lawton of Sunshine Blooms Farm. Hi, Sarah. Good morning. It's great to see you. We've never met, met face to face, but you you joined Slow Flowers, so I've been tracking you. Yeah. Um, and welcome, Moira McKinnon of Love and Fantasy Flowers. Hi, Moira. Hi, Deborah. Hi, everyone at Slow Flowers. Moira and I had a little um, Instagram live with Becky Feesby during Canadian Flowers Week a couple years ago. So that's when I realized you always have fun eyewear. <laughs> so Very true. And I, all of us here today, I think we've all yes, got that. So. Yeah, we got the memo. Actually, yeah. <laughs> I think you were wearing heart-shaped uh, li- uh, frames or something back then. So anyway, totally, that was fun. Yeah. That Thank was, you. That was ambitious. We tried to touch on someone from every province uh, during Canadian Flowers Week. But today we've got some amazing news, and that is that um, the Cooperative Flower Network, which we're going to hear all about, which is a relatively new uh, grower cooperative in Edmonton is um, partnering with the Slow Flower Summit, which is in their province in Alberta, to um, provide a lot of flowers. They're coming on as a partner and we're going to have Alberta grown flowers at the summit. So more on that later, but first I wanted to say that's what really prompted this conversation. I wanted to learn about the Cooperative Flower Network. So why don't you guys tag team and start to introduce it to us. I'll pull up the website on the screen so people can see it. And um, yeah, let us, are you, you're like a baby organization, right? Baby organization. Yeah, it was our first year of business in 2023. And it basically started with a need to come together and strengthen our niche of local flowers for the kind of florist community here in Edmonton. And it's been, you know, lots of learning curves, but it's feeling really, really good. And I feel like we've made a really strong foundation in our first year. Wow, that's great. Well, I'm scrolling here. Just, I love this. We've made it ridiculously easy to source quality flowers. Uh, Sarah, what is the response been from the floral community? Uh, It's been fantastic in our first year. Uh, We had about uh, 20 plus clients sign up uh, to access our flowers. We sold for, I think, over 19 weeks um, throughout the summer in our first year. And we have 11 producers, uh, producer members that own our cooperative business and supply flowers to these customers so they can shop for from 11 different farms all at once and pick up all in one central location in Edmonton. Wow. And here's here's some of the growers that you're seeing on the screen. Um, maybe not all of them because I think there's maybe, or some of them got cut off. There's nine here. Uh, but now you've grown to 11. And you might have seen viewers that there's a little video we're going to show. But before that, I want to just hear, hear a little bit more about how you got started? Um, you know, what is the what is the origin story of this? I know we're going to hear about both your farms later, but things like this start because there's a pain point, right? There was a need, and and you saw the opportunity. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we were, as all kind of community members, we were all talking to the same florists. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, all this kind of admin work, we're all tracing over the same steps we all do each week. So how can we streamline that not only for our farms, but also for the florists? I think it was really kind of a nice selling feature that, oh, you're going to get billed once a Mm. week. You know, Mm. you're not going to get 11 different bills each week Mm -hmm. for those just maybe one special thing from each farm. So it was quite a nice way, I think, to streamline the process for us as producers. But as you know, I'm also a florist. So for me, it was I want to streamline that process as a buyer as well. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it, you're you're buying and selling uh through the through the same uh platform then definitely yes how about you sarah what were you gonna say yeah so it's it's fantastic for our growers as well because they um are farmers first and foremost all of them they're flower farmers and so if they can spend especially their in-season time when there's only so many hours in the day uh focusing on what they do best which is growing the flowers and then together as a group we can play off each other's strengths to then, you know, market these flowers as a group and sell them as a group. So we can really focus on what we each do best and spend the most time that we can in the field with those flowers during that busy season. Right. Were you both doing uh, deliveries before this, like multiple deliveries? Yes. (laughs) And I would imagine, I mean, Edmonton is like the, is it the second largest city in Alberta or one of the top cities? You have it's geographically probably a distance for some of the farms that are outside of the urban core, right? It's a lot of driving. Mm-hmm. Well, even Sarah's about an hour outside of the city, so she to come in and and have that guaranteed sale it makes a lot different. I'm sorry to speak it on your kind of behalf <laughs> there, but you know, for people who are coming from further out, if it's worthwhile because they've got these all these sales lined up already, not knocking on yeah. doors and trying to sell the bucket that's in their their hatch, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. You're in, you're in, you're in Andrew, Alberta. That's where, where sunshine is. Yeah. So I'm about an hour and a half, um, Northeast of Edmonton. So previous to this, I was selling, um, wholesale, uh, directly. And so my schedule would be different from week to week because a one florist might want something one day and not one florist might want another day. And so this was a really nice way because I'm going to be driving like a three hour round trip. I know I'm doing one stop. Uh, we took turns volunteering uh, at the pickup location, but we knew we could schedule our week around our weeding or our you know cutting and all that around our schedule that we always knew was delivery Wednesday morning. That made a huge difference on our farm. Oh my gosh. I mean, Sarah, that's your profit margin right there. The time you have to spend driving. You exactly. have to cut that out right away. Wow. So when you mentioned the drop-off location, talk a little bit about where you're at and um, you know how did that come about? Because 2023 was your first year, right? Correct. Yeah. So we kind of tapped our networks and we have a friend, I had a friend, the bar, unfortunately, that we were um, operating out of has had to relocate. Okay. But um, they basically were like, come do this. We won't charge you, which I think is kind of a a big kind of, sorry, my cat's very loud. Uh, (laughs) It can be a big deterrent is that overhead, right? And so to have a a local business say, hey, this is actually really good to just open up to community and, 
get people in the space. And it, it really was kind of a win-win. And I hope that they'll have a, we're still kind of hunting for new opportunities this season. Um, and maybe it will be with those same folks or maybe opening up the community networks a little further just to find that low overhead. That's Wait, Moira, <laughs> did you say a bar? You, this is like a bar that's open at night, but then during the day, it's fine if flowers can be sold there. Totally. Yeah. It was like a little, it's a little like kind of rock and roll wine bar. And uh, so they have, they aren't open during the day and, but they have a little coffee shop up upstairs. So we could kind of get our coffees, hang out, commiserate, chat about the <laughs> week. And then folks could just come by and pick up their flowers as needed. Okay. That's a tip for anybody listening to this, who's thinking about starting a cooperative or a hub, look for a business that doesn't have any activity during the hours when you want to sell your flowers. That's brilliant. I hope it works out for you next year. Thank you. Oh, we'll make sure it does. But it, it was definitely a, a bit of a blessing to have that uh, opportunity in year one, for sure. Mm -hmm. So when was your opening day last year, Sarah? I think we started uh, mid-May. Uh, and just kind of the logistics of being ready to go. We weren't sure what to expect. Um, we did have some producers that had flowers a bit earlier than that. And as soon as we kind of had all the puzzle pieces together, we just said, let's, let's go. We, we weren't sure if we were going to run into issues or not. Luckily we kind of all banded together to get it going, but yeah, we opened, um, in mid May, I think with about three or four producers that were bringing in flowers that week. Uh, and from there it just, like it just snowballed the amount of flowers coming in every week, the amount of orders coming in every week um, just grew and grew with um, the opportunity and, and some florists learning from others that they were getting these local, mm. local flowers and, mm -hmm. and what we had to offer. Cause it was some products that aren't necessarily easy to find um, in Edmonton. We're far away from uh, some of the conventional flower locations in the past and this yeah. is really the opportunity to get fresh. Now, there's a, probably a conventional wholesaler in Edmonton that's bringing in a lot of product from across Canada, but also internationally, right? Yeah, definitely. So your your florist had a point of reference to see how unique the local product was. Um, it sounds like you kind of your reputation kind of preceded you, and then that's when the snowballing took place with more customers wanting to get their hands on your goodies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so how does it work on you, you, all the farmers uh, bring product in on, did you say Wednesday? Is that right? Yeah. So on uh, Monday morning, our online shop opens uh, the night before the producers have loaded uh, a list of what their products will be available for that week. You know, a, a fresh photo because, you know, everything looks a little bit different based on its growing conditions, uh, a price and a quantity. And from there, the florist uh, shop opens for them to wholesale from us uh, on Monday at noon. And from they have 24 hours to shop our online store. Uh, Tuesday after Tuesday at noon, it closes. And from there, our growers are sent uh, cut lists so they know exactly what has sold. Wow, that's amazing. Then they can go out and cut it Tuesday night so that it's wrapped and cut and wrapped fresh for them, and it's delivered to them uh, on Wednesday morning. The growers bring all their product in and from there it's sorted into a bucket for each of our customers. And so when they come, all they have to do is pick up, say hello, and they can keep going because some of them are on a tight schedule and uh, yeah, that's kind of how it works. 
And you mentioned that um, people, you, you two, and the other growers, you kind of rotated the the duties, so you don't have an employee per se. It's all kind of like the true definition of a cooperative, where everyone's doing some sweat equity, right? Lots of sweat equity. And I mean, our dream is to have an employee. I hope yeah. that maybe this year we'll have somebody kind of helping us behind the scenes. I think like the burnout is very real, much like in farming. So it's kind of what I love about the co-op model is this kind of distribution of labor yeah. and also insights and ideas. Like, you know, Sarah might see it something from a completely different angle. And then when she we kind of converse about it, it's like, oh, I had never thought about that. Like, let's try attacking it this way or approaching it in this kind of way that it, it makes a bit more sense. So it's a pretty uh, magical business uh, structure. It is, you know, not without its pain points, of course, but just I think the working together, it, it really does create a strong foundation. I mean, I, I have to hand it off to you guys. You know, it's just like women get stuff done and you True. know, you could have sat around all of last year thinking about, well, let's launch in 2024. But it sounds like it kind of was a rapid decision. And, and you know, you all just dove in and said, let's 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 throw this party and get it started. Yeah, I would love to, like, speak on that because Sarah had kind of mentioned how we had kind of open, launched last season. And it was really like we had enough of the logistics done. But you're right. We could have sat oh, let's think more on this. But we were really like, you know what? If we don't know what it looks like in the field, like actually doing it, we'll never know. Yeah. So we weren't, I don't, it's kind of that waiting to be fully ready. You're never going to be fully ready. You have to take that leap and be sort of just, I guess, ready for the unknown. (laughs) Ready for the ride. Yeah. And it was so much about, um, let's just figure it out as we go and let's just all be prepared to put in the effort and put in the time. We, we didn't want to spend a lot of money because we didn't know uh, how much would be coming back to us. Our, our members had paid their dues. So we had some cash to move forward to, you know, get the business running, to get our uh, online platform running, those type of things. And from there, we just said like, let's just do it. Like, let's go. And yeah. and we did and it worked. And so that really is our plan over the winter is to kind of figure out some of those maybe pain points or things we need to work on. Um, and then, yeah, we're hoping we can, we've had a really successful first year. So we're really hoping we can um, hire somebody to help work for us so our farmers can focus on what they do best. Yeah. But it's a, I don't know, it's, we had a big celebration. We, we've really been patting ourselves on the back as a group for the last couple of months because it was a success. It is. It's amazing. Um, And I'm just curious, we're going to talk to both of you about your individual farms, but anecdotally, can you just comment on like, did you sell as much as you had in the previous years or could, did you notice um, a difference in revenue for your individual farms uh, just by doing this model? I think it's more in the first year it was more about that like I said the division of labor mm. it was about getting more people uh, more florists interested like it gave me a whole new list of clients to uh, be able to service my like service with my product um, it was really about just getting our feet wet getting into it and I think this is really our year going forward in growth but for the most of the other growers they weren't selling wholesale before so it was a brand new revenue oh. stream for them Oh, they were always selling retail. So, um, yeah, like 
different farms had different experiences, but overall, I would say, yeah, it was a big win in terms of everyone's business as well. That's a good dis- differentiation too, that Sarah, you had a wholesale oriented business, but maybe some of the other growers were just doing like cus- uh, retail direct to consumer, mm-hmm. which yes, on paper looks like you're making more money, but the volume is smaller for every transaction. So I mean, it's, it's sort of getting people to come around to this new way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I guess for me, um, I actually was one of the highest buyers of the co-op as well. <laughs> so for, I, I, you so they know, better for take me, good care of you, Moira. <laughs> seriously, uh, you know, and I, lo- I love the producers and all the work they do so much. And so for me and my business, which is very locally source driven, it was such a blessing and a gift for me to be part of this network on, you know, selling what my excess and my, my premium cuts as well, but being able to access these things for my designs was such a, such a bountiful gift for sure. That's great. Well, it seems to me there's two things I want to address before we show the little video and then go on and talking about uh, your individual farms. And that is, can you uh, talk about, forming the legal cooperative and what that requires. And then also the platform um, because aren't you on open food network? We are. And, okay. So let's, can we just address those two? It seems like really essential kind of business mechanics that you had to take care of before you could uh, call yourself legit. <laughs> I yeah, don't know. So there, that's probably, there's two pieces. So um, we did have to start a physical business, uh, a cooperative business. Um, we had one member of our team that just took the reins on that one and kind of led the charge. Um, we had help from Cooperative First, which is a group um, in Canada that helps start new co-ops. And without their guidance, uh, we would have struggled because it was a lot of information to put together. Yeah. Uh, so we did that legal part of the business. We signed our documents. We you know, got our name. Uh, and then, and then we really went to work. And then this winter, we've spent a lot of time doing more in terms of building a policy and procedure manual, building terms of reference, because we didn't really know how our business was going to run at first. And so, to put together guidelines uh, while you're just still so fresh, um, we really yeah. have spent the time doing that this winter, uh, and that's that's been a great success as well. So, two big pieces, obviously, is just yeah, you're not only just farming now, you're running a secondary business. And right. as for Open Food Network, they have been wonderful guides as well. A number of the other cooperatives in Canada use the Open Food Network platform. Uh, and I, we, I test drove it as an individual wholesaler the year before and had great feedback from uh, my clients. And then when we started our co-op, our clients this year have been really happy with the ease of access to to everyone. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's amazing. And it's in a way like last year was your beta year and yes. n- now you can kind of work on all the kind of filling in all the blanks and getting ready to launch mm-hmm. um, with your policies and, and your references and all. That's great. Yeah. And if I can just add one little note on that too, yeah. um, just the structure, you know, for some folks, the cooperative structure may feel a bit foreign because it is a co- uh, a corporation. Mm-hmm. So it's a different type of entity. Like, you know, a lot of us are either in partnerships or sole proprietors. So this entity is very formal. You know, there's a lot of the language 
you know, for me, it is almost learning a different language. You know, you're having to kind of figure out, all right, we need to make sure that everything's above board. We're recording minutes, you know, all these things that feel very official. (laughs) And, you know, and that's also to keep us all safe and to keep our work safe and all these things. So it's been a learning curve, but it's been quite empowering as well to be, Mm. you know, I'm kind of feeling like, you know, the business lady with her grown up pants on and the pointy (laughs) shoes. It's like, it definitely has that vibe, like big business for sure. But how cool to be in the community as, you know, this cooperative that, you know, you start having credibility in the greater business community as, you know, putting in, you know, basically you're creating a new market and bringing new revenue into uh, the economy. Mm -hmm. And it's, fascinating to me that we are the pioneers in Alberta for this because it's it it exists you know all over North America but for some reason the Canadian prairies it's just there's a bit of a I guess a gap that needs filling so the fact that we are as young women business people can fill this niche it's pretty pretty cool I have to say I love it yeah it's and sort of the, the, the center of the of the uh, North America gets called the flyover zone, and you're like, no, 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 we're here. Don't forget <laughs> us. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Sorry, and Sarah, I cut you off. All the members own the business, right? So the eleven of us work together. We're all equals. We all have a vote. We all have a say. We all own the business together. So yeah. um, that you know, we're working for ourselves, but we're working for each other. And mm-hmm. you're building something. Well, let's look at the video real quick. And I, I was just thinking um, when you mentioned this cooperative organization, is that, are they the ones that produce this video? Exactly yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. Let me get it. Get it. The producer kind of co-op was a perfect business uh, model, especially when it comes to like, I'm a farmer florist. So growing flowers, but also like sourcing as much as I can. Basically as a florist, this is exactly the service that I want. I want to see all the growers in one place and shop once. And and then as a producer, it's really nice to be able to, oh, I don't need the, these specific stems this week. I can make a little extra in probably one of the biggest clients of the co-op as well, um, just because this is exactly what I wanted for my flower business Mm. um, both as a as a florist and as a grower yeah there's the benefits of this co-op for the growers themselves because it gives all of us access to many customers in one place but it also is the same for our customers too like they're loving that they can shop from 11 different growers and 11 different selections of farms products in one place and pick up in one place and pay on one invoice it just it works for both both of us on each end. And I think the co-op model works really well because all of our members put in so much work and it's nice that we all get to share what comes out of it equally. I think the biggest benefit for us is just feeling a part of that community and having other farmers um, that we can connect with. So it's really cool that the cooperative exists for us to be able to connect with other that are experiencing the same hardships. We are establishing ourselves within the floral industry and just having like a great access point for florists to be able to buy local flowers. Previously, before the co-op, it was always a bit kind of crazy where we'd have florists messaging us and then we'd reach out to other growers if we couldn't provide them with the flowers that they were looking for. It's just really nice to have like that one central spot for both us and for the florists. I think the co-op model 
has also been really positive because you know when you are running we're all running our own businesses as well and so sometimes that gets really heavy and it's really hard to do anything else so it's like oh this is like the perfect business because you have all these people bringing their strengths different talents to exactly it. yeah just building this sense of community you know you can get your coffee you can come have a little chit chat commiserate <laughs> celebrate the wins like there's a lot of really beneficial things like especially we've been talking about mental health for farmers and how that is a struggle and just dealing with the elements and dealing with the pressures of these types of businesses we were purchasing all these items from growers but mm. then they don't have the same skin in the game and they don't get to have that contact with the customers um so it just it's a more personable experience having a co-op ah oh. What a great video. I love it. Gives me all the feels, the fuzzies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so Cooperatives First is the organization that they they just like um, came in and assisted you. You didn't have to hire them or anything, right? Correct. They're, it's wow. an amazing organization. They offer consultations for free and they've helped 100 co-ops open. And so we've actually been selected as their Alberta representative to help them celebrate this big milestone. So I thought that was pretty sweet that we're a little feather in their cap even. And so it's yeah. pretty special. That's amazing. So they're all across the country and they're serving uh, co-ops in every province or many provinces. Most, most of them, yeah. at least, if not all. Well, you know, I always say if you've got beautiful images of flowers, you're going to get press. You're going to get media attention because it's... It's so so much eye candy that um, you know, I don't know. Marshmallows can't compete. You know, it's just <laughs> <laughs> you, you got the win. Um, okay, well, I wanted. I don't want to end the the podcast and conversation without learning a little bit more about both of you. So, Sarah, tell us a little bit about uh, Sunshine Blooms Farm, and I'll put your um, I'll put your website up on the screen if that's okay, and then we'll bounce sure. over to Moira before we wrap up. Um, Tell us about your farm. When did you get started? And here's the, I guess this is the homepage, right? Yeah, something okay. like that. So let we, me scroll. Uh, I'll scroll back to the top. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, we, um, so uh, Sunshine Blooms Farm, we're located about an hour and a half northeast of Edmonton, Alberta. We are uh, specialized in dahlias, uh, the blooms, and also the tubers, uh, sunflowers, and um, gladiolas. Uh, we grow a number of different annuals and I've been farming for, well, I've been flower farming for about four years, but I have been farming my whole life. Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up on a grain farm in Southern Manitoba and my husband and our two sons now farm. He grew up here in Chandro, Alberta, and we, uh, farm about 3,500 acres of grain land as well. So, Besides flower farming, I'm also the head agronomist for our grain and oil seeds farm. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. So yeah. flowers flowers are like a, a, a very small fraction of this grain farm. They are a small fraction of the grain farm, but they are a big part of uh, what I do on the farm. And I have two young boys. I have a one-year-old and a three-year-old. And so they are quite involved with what's what their mom's doing on the farm. <laughs> and it's really oh just gosh. that opportunity for me to uh, have something I'm particularly passionate about uh, on the farm. And uh, I sell 
the majority of my product wholesale and, and all of that through the Cooperative Flower Network. Oh, your and dahlias are gorgeous. Um, <laughs> I just, I'm, I mean, what, are there very many other sources uh, at your level or um, is this why you, you had to be part of the cooperative because everybody yes. wanted your flowers? So kind of both. So dahlias are, um, as your listeners all know, they, they have a shorter vase life. And so to purchase dahlias, um, the wholesalers, the, the larger wholesalers here do carry them, but the quality is often um, not as good because they've been, uh, They've traveled quite a ways. Yeah, yeah. And so the florists were, especially our event florists, they love to get a hold of them for summer weddings. And so there aren't a lot of dahlia growers um, in Alberta. We have one other dahlia grower in our co-op. So the two of us work hard together to produce dahlias. Love it. And um, yeah, really it's it's about combining the opportunity um, of being a full-time uh, agronomist for our grain farm, uh, being a flower farmer, which is my passion, and also being a mother because uh, you, it's hard to do it all. But when you can do things together with your children, um, this farm, my children are the fifth generation um, to be farming here on this land. Wow. And uh, the flower co op is just cooperatives in general are a big part of our farm. We're part of our. Um, local cooperative here in terms of where we purchase our fuel for our farm and our crop inputs for our farm. And so, yeah, it's just an extension of that. Just a little bit of, uh, a little bit of me. It's so interesting because um, I, I think that this commodity cooperative model has existed in, in grain farming and dairy farming and, um, I know in California, like the avocado growers, like there's certain commodities that have already done this for decades. Yes. Flowers are kind of catching up. So you weren't really that afraid of it because you're, you're familiar with how the other part of your business is relying on a cooperative model, right? Definitely. And th there is a big comfort level with a lot of um, growers because we see the cooperative that's very successful um, here in Canada, in Western Canada, um, in terms of like, you know, there's the grocery stores and the fuel centers, but I mean, for growers, for farmers, grain farmers, cattle farmers, all that in our area, um, those co-ops um, co allow us access to product that we may not be able to purchase at that same price. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're in every local community. They support the local community in a number of right. different ways. Um, and, and there's options, like even, especially in Alberta, we have a, uh, the United Farmers of Alberta, and then we also have um, like federated co-ops. So there's even options within the same community to be a part of a cooperative. Wow. And you're selling your tubers as well, it sounds like. Yeah, so that's been kind of a, that's another really big opportunity for local is that uh, in Canada, we don't have as many tuber growers, especially in Western Canada, that we do, you guys do in the U.S. Uh, and even then, in Canada, they're more based in the more uh, moderate climates, like where mm. I'm in. It's, you know, it's quite harsh here. We're zone two. Wow. Uh, and so a lot of tubers previous to the last maybe five years were always imported. Uh, and those tubers maybe have different diseases than what we have here. And so we, it's been a big, uh, big part of my business and it continues to grow as well because uh, not only do flower farmers want locally grown tubers, 
uh, a lot of home gardeners yeah. want locally grown tubers. And then to see them grown in, you know, north central Alberta and see them grown in the same way, they're like, oh, well, if, if they can grow them there all the way up, you know, northeast of Edmonton, we can grow them in our garden. And so. Oh, my gosh. They look so gorgeous. Thank and you. Yeah. And you're probably selecting then for the early bloomers or the ones that are more cold hardy. Um, I mean, those are, you've trialed Storage. all that, right? Yeah, so that we're we're selecting early bloomers, we're selecting prolific bloomers. I mean, everybody wants to try something different, so there's always this, we always have ones that maybe are outside the realm. But the other big one for us is storage because we have to dig and store quite early. Things have to store here for a longer period of time mm. than most other areas, and so that's a huge piece for us. Wow. So when will you um, when will you open your Dahlia tuber sale on your website? Uh, so we're opening uh, on uh, March 5th. We have two sales. We have a local sale. So we always uh, want our local people to have first access to our Dahlia tubers. And then we have a Canada-wide sale two weeks later. I believe that's the 19th of March. Okay. So check out our website. I was going to say, if people are interested, sign up for notices uh, yeah. or follow or follow uh, your Instagram for Sunshine Blooms Farm because I'm sure you're posting there. Anything else, Sarah, that I didn't ask you that you wanted to touch on? I'm just thrilled to meet you and so great, grateful that you're uh, sharing this story with us. I think it's the big piece for me or what I really love about the cooperative is that idea that together we can do more. Um, it's uh, still a very young industry here in Canada, especially in, in you know, northern Canada, more or less. Um, that idea that we are stronger together um, and that, you know, my experiences, my highs and lows are very valuable to the next grower and theirs to me as well, because um, there's no manual for this. Like I'm, I've been an agronomist, uh, grain farmer agronomist for many years. And so there's lots to be learned. There's lots of textbooks, there's lots of courses, but with flowers, it's still really a new and emerging industry for us here. And what we grow here doesn't necessarily work with what, you know, how they grow in BC or how they grow in Southern Ontario. We have to yeah. kind of learn. So reach out to other growers around you. Don't be scared. Um, let's grow this industry. Let's grow this piece of the pie together. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate having people like Moira and the other 10 members of my co-op to, to learn from because we're all experts in something. Well, this is the um, insight that uh, we had for our 2024 uh, trend forecast. One of them was the, the creative sisterhood. And I think you guys embody that. Um, and we'll let, we'll let the men in too, but the women yes. are driving this train. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to ask you, Sarah, because I don't know if I'm 100% sure what ag agronomist means. I mean, it sounds like oh. somebody who's gone to school to be an expert in agriculture. Yeah, to, but to advise uh, a farmer on... Uh, the inputs and requirements needed to grow the best crop and um, also, you know, the cultural practices, all that. So, yes, I, uh, I went to school. I have a Bachelor of Science in Agriculture um, and agronomist works here to just give advice to growers um, in, like as they go and then into planning as well for the wow. next year. But in across a lot of different uh, crop crops categories. Yeah. yeah. 
So you're not a generalist. You're an expert in many things. I love it. <laughs> a few, a few. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Moira, let's talk about Love and Fantasy Flowers. I remember asking you about that name. And um, when I pop up your website, can you give, can you re retell that story of how you of came course. up with that cute name? Yeah, well, it's very timely. Um, my husband, Robert, and I are actually about to have our eighth wedding anniversary next week. Um, and that was our wedding theme. So it kind of stuck with us <laughs> a little bit as we tried to kind of find a business that suited what we wanted to do. And, uh, you know, I just said, I'm using this for the flower business. And, and of course, he supports me and what I do. And so he was totally on board. <laughs> so you're really design forward in your work. Uh, you. But are you growing also? Yes, okay. yes. Um, so we do try to stick to a few kind of feature crops. Like we do a big tulip, tulip program, ranunculus, butterfly ranunculus, peonies, uh, and lisianthus. That's kind of how I'm, I map out my season with my focal flowers. Oh, wow. Yes. And you say right on here that you are take you took over your grandparents' suburban property and that's where you're growing? Yeah, so that's our city, How like that's where we live in the city of Edmonton, it's on the mm -hmm. west side, kind of a 1960s suburb suburban neighborhood, so very big lots, like for the city. Yeah. Um, but we did have to, we, we, we were growing, so now we have a plot just west of the city um, where we have a little bit more room to spread out, a full acre out there. Oh, so you just kind of have like your, your, your home farm and your annex farm then? Totally, yeah. Wow, wow. And then the design... Uh, services is really must take up, especially in the season, a lot of your energy during a uh, wedding season. Yeah, I, I love, I really try to f position myself as a flower farm and a design studio. So mm -hmm. we have um, a subscription clientele as well as weddings and events. So that's sort of the retail wing of our business. Um, but of course, wholesaling more and more and planning to grow that side of the business as the CFN grows. Mm. That's amazing. So when did you actually start the business? Is it Was it eight years ago or were you doing something else before that? So I started in floristry in 2014. So this is actually going to be my 10-year floristry mm -hmm. anniversary. Oh, which so you were a florist great. before you were a grower then? I was. Yes. Okay. That was my first, that was my first foray into the industry was through floristry. And then when we came to this place um, in 2017, so the business, I guess, is now in its seventh year. Let me just do mm -hmm. some quick. Yeah, this is going to be year seven of Love and Fantasy Flowers, which feels pretty, pretty magical. Yeah. And, and just listening to the both of you, it makes me really see how um, having someone like Sarah with the agronomy background and having someone like you, Moira, with the floral wedding and event background, you're kind of lifting everybody with your knowledge that you not you can't do all things. So um, having the florist point of view is going to help the whole cooperative decide what to grow. And then, you know, having specialists like Sarah, <laughs> you just can't help by through osmosis, get, you know, get, get some more knowledge about how to be a better farmer. Oh, and business person too, because I think, you know, I'm learn I learned so much from Sarah, but all the other members as well are bringing these, their backgrounds are all so diverse as well. You know, we have a dairy farmer, pharmacist, school teacher, you know, it's all these different backgrounds. So it's super inspiring and invigorating as a business wow. person. 
So a couple things I want to ask you before we wrap up. We're having the Slow Flower Summit in, at Bam, in Banff at the end of June. You said that's about three plus hours away from you, from Edmonton, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so maybe your season is similar to, because the elevation of Banff, is it a bit similar or are you a little earlier? What, what can we expect to see? And, and I'm not going to hold you to it, but I'm just curious what you'll be harvesting at the end of June. Well, June is one of my favorite flower months. Um, we will definitely have tulips, I hope. Where it is looking like an early spring, so we'll we'll yeah. see. Yeah. Um, but peonies for sure, ranunculus, like the, some of our the world's favorite flowers yeah. are blooming in June in Alberta. Delphiniums. We have two. Oh, I uh, saw two them. Growers that grow in beautiful delphiniums, and you'll find them in like beautifully large size and smaller size for smaller bouquets but that's probably one of our other really key crops uh that time of year i saw those on the video and i was just like could not believe how vibrant that blue was yeah sadly probably not dahlia sarah <laughs> we're too early for your harvest season that's a yes. bummer yes. i'll come back well, and visit sometime anytime the dahlias kind of don't really get started pumping out here until kind of the end of july beginning of august and they run quite light here until we get a frost and even then some of our dahlias will hold off against the frost so. i mean that's why people are having their late summer early fall weddings probably to you know get that beautiful variety into a wedding design and also probably because it's you know i don't know, weddings seem to be moving to spring and fall everywhere the other thing i want to ask you is uh future plans for other markets i i don't know if you can comment on that but i feel like it seems like a natural that you might be invited to help launch some other markets that you're not currently, like you're not competing with Calgary, but I would imagine there'd be demand there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is, this is an ongoing conversation we're having. So okay, I don't want to put you on the spot, but yeah, no, it's definitely, it's in our radar. It's on our radar and it's something we're definitely kind of pursuing and talking with growers and just seeing how it'll all work out. You know, it is a lot of work on the ground in your community, making those connections with florists. And it's tough for us to do that for other hubs when yeah. we're maybe not there. But that being said, I think we're open to the idea of facilitating these conversations. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that you'll get asked a lot and you probably are already being asked a lot by people across uh, the province and across Canada who want to get started. And so um, it's great that, I mean, I'm not saying call Sarah and Moira because they have stuff to do. Listen to this and take notes and then check out some of the resources that they've mentioned and, um, you know, follow and find, find and follow them. And uh, we'll get this out into the world and celebrate what you're doing. Yes. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. And I'm so looking forward to having the CFN be a part of the Slow Flower Summit and getting all these beautiful Alberta grown blooms to the best flower party in Banff, I'd say. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. <laughs> we just got your logo up on the website. So it's on the homepage now. Amazing. And yeah. And thank you both so much. I really love it. And the show notes will have photos of Moira and Sarah's um, work and what they grow and, and some maybe some photos of their farm. And then we'll make sure we add the, the full replay video of today's interview as well in at soulflowerspodcast.com so thanks so much and happy season thank you thank you
Thanks so much for joining me today. You'll want to check out our show notes for episode 650 at slowflowerspodcast.com to watch the replay video and learn more about Sarah and Moira and their floral businesses, including a peek at photos they've shared for you to see. I hope today's episode inspires you to join us in Banff, Alberta, Canada for the 7th Slow Flower Summit. The dates are June 23rd through 25 this year, 2024. Please check out the link in today's show notes. You can register, learn more about our speakers, our agenda, and programming that will inspire you over two full days in the Canadian Rockies. Our next sponsor thank you goes to Red Twig Farms. Based in Johnstown, Ohio, Red Twig Farms is a family-owned farm specializing in peonies, daffodils, tulips, and branches, and a popular peony bouquet by mail program. Learn more at redtwigfarms.com. And don't miss this Friday's Slow Flowers member virtual meetup on February 23rd with special guest Lenny Larkin of B-Side Farm, author of Flower Farming for Profit. We'll hear her insights on pricing and profitability for flower growers. And you'll bring your questions. Maybe you'll get one of them answered. Pre-registration is required and you can find the link in today's show notes. Our next sponsor thank you goes to the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliage, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Visit them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. Thanks so much for joining me today. The Slow Flowers Podcast is a member-supported endeavor downloaded more than one million times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much as our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry. The momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. If you're new to our weekly show or our long-running podcast, check out all of our resources at slowflowerssociety.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of The Slow Flowers Show and The Slow Flowers Podcast. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more Slow Flowers on the table, one stem, one vase at a time. Thanks so much for joining us today, and I'll see you next week. Thank you.